We've been studying the topic of in God's grace, we have assurance of our salvation. We're going to take today, we're going to talk simply about the fact that God has saved us and that we can see that it comes from the inside and grows out. And we're going to look at a few passages today that kind of show us the title of the message is from the inside or from the outside. This world talks a lot about religion. We as believers in Jesus Christ believe in a relationship with God. That is the purpose why we are on this earth. The purpose we're on this earth is not simply to work a job and have a family and experience a few pleasures that this world has to offer. The purpose that we're here is to have a relationship with God. When we connect with him in that way, we find our true purpose. The problem is, is that sometimes people can try to put on religion as if it is a uniform or as if it is clothes in a role that they're playing as an actor. Who they are on Saturday is very different than the person that they pretend to be on Sunday in whatever church they go to. That is not Bible Christianity. Nor is it Bible Christianity for us to pretend to be this incredibly wonderful person around other people, perhaps in church, and then we are a completely different person at home for our kids to see. Sometimes kids don't follow in in the footsteps of going to church simply because their parents were hypocrites. And we'll talk a bit about that. We'll talk about how what Jesus is offering us is not something to put on and take off, but it's something that we, it's who we are on the inside that grows from our spirit. John chapter number 10, and we're going to start in verse number 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it, was at, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long... Dost thou make us to doubt? You see the blame? Who are they blaming for their doubt? Jesus. They're blaming him. Why are you making me doubt, Jesus? Do people do that today? Do people blame God for their doubt and for their lack of faith? Oh, man, all the time. So we see how relevant the Bible is right away. Very relevant. They, they said, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Just come right out and say it. Question, had he come right out and said it in the past? Well, many, many, many times. Notice Jesus' response. Verse 25, Jesus answered him, I told you. Ooh. <laughs> I told you. I to- hey, I told you. And you believe not. Your doubt is not because I haven't told you. Your doubt is not because I haven't showed you. Your doubt is not because I haven't proven it already. Your doubt is because you haven't believed. 
When we believe on Jesus Christ, it changes our relationship to him. So many people are looking for proofs that God's word is true when Jesus has already proved it and he's waiting for us to believe it. If they would have believed, here's the question, what would have been different in their life? We'll look at those points in just a moment. But notice, first of all, he says here, In verse number 25, I told you and you believe not the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. So right away, he's saying, you're not believers in me. You're not Christians. You're not saved. You're not, you haven't been born again, meaning you're not of my sheep. Not everyone is a sheep of Jesus Christ. Uh, you've got these people that don't really believe in God at all. They're not religious in, in any sense. And then when something terrible happens in their life, they want to pray to God that God would deliver them. They're not his sheep. You want to deny God and cuss God and use God's name in vain and live a horrible, nasty, sinful life. And in that moment when you need him, you expect to just call on him. That's not the way it works. That is not the way it works. What does he say? What is one of the, what, what is one of the indications that we have truly believed on Jesus? Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If we've truly been born again, one of the evidences of our true salvation from the inside out, when he speaks, we hear him. It doesn't mean we always obey him, but we hear him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Jesus knows how to talk to you. He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to let you know that it's him that is talking. Unsaved people do not have that ability. They don't know if God's talking to them at all. They don't even know if Jesus is true. They hear, they don't believe. They blame, they don't trust. Always asking for more proof. Always asking for more miracles. Always blaming that Jesus isn't making it clear enough. Why is it, listen, why is it that as Christians, it can be clear what we're supposed to do? Because he has given us all of this visible proof? No. Because we can hear him. The proof is that we can hear him. That's how I know he's real. It's not like I hear this audible voice. It's not that I see things written in the clouds or on the walls. It's not that I have opened up a package of pasta and it, and, and it scatters in a, in a specific pattern on my countertop in the kitchen. And I'm like, God's speaking to me. He's sending me messages. What did Jesus tell them? I told you. I told you. 
This is his message. This is his message. Listen. Believe. And then you will hear. You'll be able to hear his voice. And when we hear his voice like a sheep, we'll follow. Someone, listen, someone who has never, has no intention of listening, someone who has no intention of following is not one of his sheep. It's not inside. Here's my question. Were these people religious? Were they religious? Oh man, they were the most religious. If we flip back to John chapter number nine, this is a continuation of John chapter number nine. It says in John 9, verse 13, 14, 15, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. Jesus had just healed a blind man. This is the story where Jesus puts the clay, he spits on the ground and takes the mud or the clay and puts it on the guy's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. You guys remember that? Okay, notice that even in the healing, this man had to exercise faith. When we pray to God, oftentimes he will give us something to do. He will give us something to believe and something to do. Jesus is not a Disney character. He does not come up to us with a magic wand and say, bibbidi bobbidi boo, bam, poof, and all of your troubles are over. That's not the way faith works, my friend. If we come to him with a problem, his prescription is found in his word. And he says, go do this. No, 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 no. I want you to change all of my problems. I want you to change all of the people in all my life so that I have a happier life. And if you don't do it, then I'm not sure I'm going to believe. Well, you're just not going to believe because that's not the way it works. It's never worked that way. Well, you need to give me more proof. Are you kidding me? He just healed a man that had been born blind. You need more proof than that? It says in verse 13, 14, 15, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day, uh-oh, when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. There are no mistakes when Jesus does something. His timing is always Perfect. Always perfect. Verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, put clay upon mine eyes and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Is in light of Jesus healing this man on the Sabbath day. He did this on, on, on purpose. On purpose, he does things in your life. The problems in your life are not an accident. The questions and doubts are not an accident. What's the solution? Believe, have faith, trust, and you'll hear. And then you can follow and he can lead you to victory. There are those, no, no. I want this done my way so that all of my beliefs 
are reinforced. My question is, who's the shepherd? Does Jesus work for you? Here's the thing about God. He challenges your beliefs. Well, I think. Yeah, he'll challenge that. They thought that a good God should even heal people on the Sabbath day. But who was it that instituted the Sabbath? Jesus did. It's not wrong to heal somebody on the Sabbath. We'll pray. We'll continue. Father, we thank for this opportunity to dig into your truth. We need you to help us understand. Help us not to be like these Pharisees who demand that you fix things the way we want them done and you don't disturb our beliefs. But help us, Lord, to be like his sheep who are willing to listen, believe your word, and follow. Help us to be humble sheep and not prideful Pharisees. Help our faith to grow from the inside, grow in grace, and not be that which we simply put on on the outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's flip back to... Let's flip back in our Bible to Matthew 23. Jesus is describing that his sheep have something that these religious people don't have. One of the things that they have is the ability to hear him. The ability to understand him. Listen, doesn't mean that when you read the Bible, you absolutely understand all of it right away. It means you have the ability to be taught. You have the reception in order to hear. When Jesus speaks to you, you hear him. When you pray, he answers prayers. You follow him. You have a desire to follow him. Matthew 23. And let's look at verse number one. Now we're looking about at some a description of these Pharisees. We're going to dive into this a little bit deeper so that we understand that Christianity is not a description of what these Pharisees are doing. Jesus came to deliver people in part from this version of religion that they had been teaching. Matthew 23, verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude, And to his disciples, saying, the scribes and Pharisees, okay, two groups of people. The scribes were the ones who meticulously hand-copied scriptures. Parchment would get old. There needed to be many copies in order for the word of God to be preserved. They would meticulously look at one copy and go over to the other copy and they would hand copy it. If they made one mistake on the whole thing, they'd have to throw away the whole thing. They would have a meticulous, many, many rules in in making sure that the scriptures were preserved. By the way, it's because of the scribes that we have the Bible, the Old Testament specifically. They would even take the time to count the characters in each line from from the older copy to the new one that they were 
copying. That was just one of the rules that they have. The scribes. They had authority with the people because of their position. The Pharisees were... It was also a... An organization of those who were teachers to the people of the law of Moses. But the, the problem is, and we'll see this in just a moment, they took what Jesus actually said in the Old Testament and they created a bunch of extra rules for them to follow. And it was more about the extra rules that they had to follow than it was about what the Bible actually said in the Old Testament. And so the Pharisees were a very, very strict group inside of Judaism in this time period. It says the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So this was an actual place in the synagogue. The synagogue was kind of like a, kind of like a church, but not in the New Testament sense. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, a place where they taught the Old Testament scriptures. And there was a place that was called Moses' seat where you would actually sit there, and that's where you would teach from the Old Testament. And so Jesus says here in verse 3, All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. First of all, false religion. Religion instead of a relationship. Something that doesn't grow from the inside, but something you put on from the outside is something that you are willing to teach, but you don't do. You tell others, but you don't do it yourself. It is incredible how many people spend so much of their time online, on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, maybe looking for the mistakes of other people. Looking for the mistake that somebody made in that video that they just created. Looking for a mistake that they made in some content that has just been put out. Looking for a mistake. Looking for a way to be offended. Help me out. Chuckle. So critical. I'm so good because all I do is sit back and I'm so critical of other people. I'm so good at finding mistakes in others. Oh, what a talent. Please don't put that on your resume. That's what they did. They say and do not. Be ye kind. They not. Honor God first. But they don't. Obey your father and mother. Old Testament. They don't. And so on and so forth. The heart of Christianity, because we believe in Jesus and because we've been born again, is not something we put on on the outside and say, but don't do. But it's something that we do because it grows from the inside. Listen, we have a new nature in Jesus Christ. It wants to know his word and it wants to do his word. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You see the distinction right away. A true believer in Jesus Christ has a heart's desire to know God's word and to do it. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that we belong to him and we want to follow him. And we fail at it, but the desire is there. There is vast difference between that and someone who says these amazing things, has no desire to do them. They just want to look good in front of the crowd. 
It says in verse four, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. You see that in verse number five? Religion. They say and do not. The second thing that we see, their motivation. What's their motivation for doing this? What's their motivation for being this way? To be seen. We have such an addiction to be seen. I want to be YouTube famous. I want to be TikTok. Oh, he's an influencer. Look, 10 years ago, that wasn't a thing. Five years ago, it was barely a thing. What, look, what is an influencer? Hard to define. I'm an influencer. Are you talking about me? I don't know. Am I? I can be sassy too. Just easy. Here they were. They, they wanted to influence the people. They wanted to say and not do. And their whole motivation was so they could, they could be seen. They could be seen. I want people to look at me and think that I'm a religious person, a pure person. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Let me explain that. We'll flip back over here in just a moment. Two things that we run into here, phylacteries and enlarge the borders of the garments. For the Jewish people in this particular time period, for many, many years, um, they would wear robes. Okay, we know that. And then on the very border of the robe, according to the Old Testament, they were supposed to put a ribbon of blue, right? So they actually had like, um, the border of their garment was, was meant to be blue. And the, the Bible says so that when they looked down, when they were walking and they looked down, it would remind them to obey the commands of God so that they would be different than others so that they would obey the commands of God. Well, when it says that they would enlarge the borders of their garments, they would make that blue ribbon like big. Wow. Look at how much they remember to keep God's word. You can see it from a distance, whether it was like all the way around, or if it was just kind of the tassels on the corners, it's commentators kind of say both of those things. But it was, it was clearly visible. Man, look at them. They are, they are, wow. They are so religious. They are so pure. The other thing is, phylacteries is the word in verse number five. Make broad their phylacteries. God said that they should take the word of God in the Old Testament and they should bind it upon their foreheads and upon their arm. Now, whether that was meant literally or not, Really what God wants is for us to put it in our heart. But what they would literally do is they would take portions of scripture that were written on parchment, folded up really small, and they would make a box. And they would take it and then they would actually take a leather band and they would wrap it around their arm at certain times of the day when they would go to pray. You can still see some very devout uh, Orthodox Jews that do this in certain places, especially in Jerusalem when they go to the Wailing Wall and they pray. You can see photos of, of them that do this. And they also will take, and there's this big box, this big black box that typically the men would do this, and they would wrap it around their head like a big headband, but it'd be like this big box standing off their head. Well, they were saying that whereas others would do this, and there was kind of like the normal everyday size, they'd be like, no, no, I want the super size box. So I'm, I've got this big blue, big giant blue thing on my robe, and this big giant box, like a rhinoceros horn hanging off the front of my head. And this big box strapped to my arm. Why? Because they truly loved God? No, they loved the attention. 
their motivation was for the attention of others. That is not what God wants us to do as believers. We do not try to help others for the attention. We don't try to sing up here for the attention. We don't try to do something so that we can get one of these. That was for the Lord. That wasn't for him. That was an appreciation thing. It's one thing for us to appreciate the Lord by saying amen or clap and thank you for that. Versus, or even if you say, pastor, thank you for that message. Versus somebody saying, I am doing it for that moment of applause. I'm giving this money to this person so that somebody else can see it so that I can be praised. That is not the heart of Christ. That is not what he came to give us. He didn't give us something where we can put on these things so that others can think of us. It says in verse six, and love the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues, literally the head table. Like if we had a banquet, they all wanted to be the keynote speaker and they all wanted to sit up in the front. Why? So everybody could look at them and say, oh, who's that? Oh my goodness, look at that. There they are. Why? Verse seven, in greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi, but be ye not called rabbi for one is your master, even Christ and all your brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth for one is your father, which is in heaven. Shouldn't be calling other people father in like a religious sense. Verse 10, neither be ye called masters for one is your master, even Christ. What did they love? They loved honorary titles. They love to be in a big place where everybody's looking at them and they love to be called these big, amazing religious titles so that they would get all of this respect and all of this honor. But notice what Jesus does in verse number, uh, verse number 11. We'll read verse number 11 and 12. But he that is greatest... Now he's describing what they wanted. They wanted the titles. They wanted the big phylacteries. They wanted the big blue ribbon. They, they wanted all this attention and all of this honor. They wanted people to, oh, there they are, there they are, there they are. Whoa. The Bible, the, in other places it describes Pharisees. It, it, it said that they would go out on the streets and pray. In Matthew 7, it talked about that. Matthew 6. Long prayers. Why? Because they loved God and they wanted to talk to God? They were praying for other people? No. So that other people would think that they were so religious. This was their culture. In this religious culture. And they're like, I want to be seen as the best. I'm going to be the best. In other places, they said when they would fast, when they would not eat for a while, they would disfigure their faces. They would actually put mud and some nasty stuff on their faces and kind of make it look like, you know, their cheeks were sunken in it. Oh, you're fasting. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my way to pray on the street corner. Imagine going down to uh, the street corner, just right here, next to the funeral home, or, or, or right, just right there. Like, oh, God! You've got, you've got all this stuff on your face. God, I pray for Toronto! I thank you, God, that I'm not like these wicked sinners, even though I pray for them right now. Is God happy with that kind of stuff? 
Now, I don't know about you, but every time I read this, I'm convicted. Because, listen, if we're, if, if we're being honest, there's a little bit of us in there somewhere because we're human beings. Right? Why are they so upset with Jesus? Because men love darkness rather than light. Their deeds were evil. He was shining the light on them and said, that's fake. And here's a miracle to prove that what I'm saying is true. And that I am the truth. That's fake. (coughs) Was he trying to help them? Or was he trying to hate them? He was trying to help them out. He came to save them from a dead religion. God has no intention of us coming to Sparrow Baptist Church and putting on rules. And calling each other by these big flowery fancy names. God is not interested in us wearing religious clothes so everybody thinks we're super awesome. And then, listen, not that we don't wear, I don't wear this every day. And you probably don't wear exactly what you're wearing right now every single day of the week. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about we don't, we don't, we don't put on a religious outfit like we're an actor. I'm playing a religious person. If we do anything for the Lord, whether it's giving money or fasting or praying or saying a prayer for somebody, it's not so that people look at us and think, wow, they're awesome. What a great Christian. No. Instead, we do these things so that he can be seen. He's a servant, it says in verse number 11 and 12. But he that is greatest among you be your servant. The most likes, the most followers, the most subscriptions to your channel, let's put it in today's vernacular, one who has the most titles, the one where, you know, the name is dropped and everybody's like, oh yeah, I know who that is. Who's that? Listen, it's the person that serves everyone all the time. The greatest in Biblical Christianity is someone who is not looking to be the center of attention. But the one who goes into the room, no matter who they may be, saying, who can I help today? Not so that I look good, but because he is good. Because I love him. He has taught me to love others the way he has loved me. To love my neighbor as myself is not something that we do just so that we feel better about volunteering. There's nothing wrong with volunteering. But it's not about feeling better about ourselves. It is about genuine relationship and worship to God. He deserves it. He served me. Jesus came to this earth as a servant to die on the cross. And to serve up, listen, a servant does not, a a true servant of Christ does not have a time clock where we say, oh, it's three minutes past the time I'm supposed to serve, so I'm done. Oh, you need that? Oh, no, no, I don't don't care about Stanley. I don't care about Stanley. It's, 
It's the person who's willing to go and help somebody without anybody knowing about it and not caring and being maybe a little upset if people find out. Because it's not for attention for me, it's for him. You're probably wondering why I have a garden hose up here. I used it in the first lesson. This lesson, this is a servant. How silly would it be for me to take out this garden hose and polish it and clean it display it hey you want to come over to my house and see my garden hose oh I think somebody needs therapy that's a little crazy listen we find our purpose in life when we realize we're a servant it's not about being seen it doesn't matter if I'm seen it's for him the greatest among you will be servant Verse 12, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased or humbled. He that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Go back to John 10 and we're done. Got a few points here and we'll be finished. We're seeing the contrast here between that which is on the outside and that which is on the inside. The inside justified. I've trusted Christ as my savior. I believe in him. I hear his voice. I follow him. Listen, and in following him, I become like him in that now I'm a servant. If he wants me to do something, I do it. If somebody needs help, I try to help them. If somebody needs me to listen, I try to listen. Listen, we have too many people with tight schedules. We need to free up our schedules enough for the, so that God can use us to serve other people. So many times our schedules revolve around us. Revolve around us. Now, we need to be organized people. I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't be organized. We honor the Lord and we have an organized life. But listen, why do we live an organized life? So that God can use me. So that he can use my life to help other people. In doing so, I find true joy and I find my true purpose. I don't find true joy and true purpose in life by just putting on religious do's and don'ts and picking on other people and and being critical and trying to make fancy shows in public and not being a Pharisee. Back to John 10. The thing is, is that we can be one or the other. If we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we both have the ability to lean into the Pharisee side that's inside all of us. Or we have the ability to lean into the true believer side, that part of us that wants to come out growing in grace. Every one of us who's been born again has that side as well. I'll give you four quick things, and they are really fast. We've already talked about them, but I just want to point them out. And see the difference that Jesus makes if we accept him as our Savior and we allow his salvation that's inside of us to grow out of us and to change our life. These these, these Pharisees that we just described are coming up to him and blaming him, it says in verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Number one, they blamed Jesus for their unbelief. If we, listen, if we trust Christ as our savior, one of the things that God does for us 
is that it begins to change the way we look at our situation and our challenges in life. We live in a day and age, and by the way, this is part of human nature. Every time we face a challenge, we look for somebody to blame. They said, we're doubting. Why are you causing us to doubt? Is that your go-to move? How much do you blame other people? Tell me. No, I'm just kidding. Honestly. When, when Jesus is describing this situation, he's saying, you're blaming me, but I've already told you. The Christian that is growing in grace and allowing that salvation to come out, instead of blame, they approach challenges not by using the weapon of blame, but by realizing there's a bigger picture here. God's word is teaching me to trust God in this situation. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. This is a growth moment. I'm not, you will, listen, you will never grow as a Christian if we're always looking for people to blame. Instead of blaming, trust God. Instead of blaming, trust God. Instead of blaming, grow. Instead of blaming, listen to his voice and follow him. Instead of blaming, you say, well, people have done wrong and they are to blame. People will do wrong. It doesn't mean that the thing didn't happen. It doesn't mean that they weren't confused. They rushed to blame because they weren't listening to his word. Don't get stuck on blame. That my father did this and my, and my mom did this. And, and back in my country, this person did that. And my, my building manager did this. And, and, and my neighbor did that. And the people in the basement did that. And, and on and on and on and on we can go. And people, listen, Jesus did not save you for you to get stuck in that place. Where all you, the only way you know how to manage life is just to blame, 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 blame. He gives you the power to forgive. And to grow. That's what he does. People who are putting on a religion, blame. Let me say that again. People who either have never been born again or they're not allowing the grace of God to grow in their life, blame. They're trying to be religious. They're trying to be good people so that... Why are we blaming? So that... So that I don't look bad. It's not about you. It's not about you looking good. It's about him looking good. And I can grow past that opportunity to blame. If I will forgive and trust his word and grow. God's plan for you is growth. This world is just lost in blaming they did not hear Jesus because they did not believe. Hearing Jesus shows you his word is the cure for doubt. They demanded another demonstration of Jesus' power and had a more clear explanation. But God's word is Jesus' demonstration of power. Last one is this. Jesus explains all of this. We've already read all of these. He says in verse 30 and 31, notice. Notice this and we'll be finished. I and my father are one. Now he's saying God, the father, 
and I are one. But if anybody ever tries to tell you that Jesus never said he was God, go to John 10 because he just said it. And he said it many, many times. Okay? How do we know that, they're, that, that he called himself God? Many reasons, but one of which is they started to pick up stones to throw at him, to kill him. They were angry. They were angry. Listen, people who put on religion, maybe because nothing's inside or because they're not leaning into that new birth and allowing God to, to help them. People who are just wanting to look good and putting on religion, they get angry pretty quick. They get angry pretty quick. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you did that to me. I can't believe... Instead of saying, hey, maybe God has a greater purpose. Maybe God is trying to strengthen my faith. Maybe I don't have to get angry about this because I have a God in heaven who loves me enough and he wants me to trust him. And he's given me promises to trust. It's not about me defending my beliefs with a bunch of rocks and anger. It's about me being, this, being, being able to step back and trust in God and treat other people with love and kindness. Why? Because it's not a religion that I put on like a suit of clothes. It's who I am because he saved me from the inside. How quick do you get angry? Anger resteth in the bosom of fools, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. Boy, you better be careful around me. I'm going to guess you don't have a lot of friends. I'm being serious. Everybody walk on eggshells around you? Yeah, because I'm the best Christian around here. And I make sure everybody stays on point. Because I know Jesus and I know the Bible. And if I see anything wrong, boy, I'm going to let him have it. That was not Jesus' attitude at all. All. That is somebody that believes a religion that they put on and it, they want to look good. And they want you to look good so they look good. And they get angry. Pastor, you angry right now? I'm, I'm excited. I'm not angry. You know, you know that's me. Religion that we put on leads to anger really fast. You know what? When, when this world blames and says... Religion is responsible for a lot of the bad things that happen in this world. They're right. Here's one of them. They're going to stone, kill with rocks. Most loving, kindest person who's ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he threatened what they believed. They didn't care about the truth. They only cared about what they thought. And they got so angry. Do you get angry when you hear a message or a sermon or if somebody asks you a question? How quick are you to step back and say, well, maybe I need to learn something. Maybe I need to grow in this area. Instead of stepping back and saying, this is a growth moment. People that are so concerned about their own self-image, self-image, they step up. Servants step back. 
maybe I need maybe I need to learn something here. Why? Because I have a greater purpose. To serve others. Maybe through this experience, God is teaching me how to know him better and to serve other people better. But someone who is who is always blaming others and instantly angry, they don't grow much. They're not connected to God. And Jesus says, I don't even know you. Everybody bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.